Welcome to the Wet Podcast, episode number 54. podcast writing education and technology this is episode number 54 and i'm your host eric marshall this week's guest is frankie bow she uh is the author of the professor molly series among other things and we have a really great discussion about uh about writing about teaching about balancing the two we talk about podcasting a little bit uh, very wide ranging conversation uh, with a with a very interesting author who, who writes some really compelling work. Uh, you know, I've got a fondness for literature that takes place on college campuses and uh, and detective novels to some extent, and 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 she does both. Uh, her books are definitely worth checking out, and you can you can find links. Everything we talk about in this episode, you can find links uh, to at the website, thewetpodcast.com. That's the website for this podcast. And you'll find show notes uh, for episode number 54. You'll find links to Frankie Bo's uh, author website, to her Amazon profile page, and to uh, all kinds of other things. You might notice uh, during the interview that I had a cold when we when we recorded, uh, I still have it a little bit. You might hear it, but um, that that's what accounts for my voice being a little different than normal. And uh, I'll just keep this short. Go to thewetpodcast.com for show notes. Uh, if you like this, you can go to iTunes and give some reviews. I really like that. Yeah, so in- enjoy this interview. So I have with me Frankie Bo. Hello. Uh, hi. So how I found you was I was uh, I'm writing a novel right now. I'm writing a detective kind of hard boiled film noirish novel about an adjunct professor who does detective work on the side. Okay, so which um, sounds awesome, by the way. <laughs> I'm having so much fun with it. Most of it's just an excuse to get away with terrible analogies, you know? Like just, oh, uh, no. you know, her eyes were the color of antifreeze or something, you know? But uh, <laughs> uh, just, just, just be silly as, as I can. But um, it's been a lot of fun. And then one day I was just browsing through a Facebook group that I'm on uh, for writers, and I noticed that you had something on there about your mystery about an adjunct professor who does detective work on the side. And I, you know, did that thing you do when you find something like that. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I might as well just throw <laughs> away my manuscript and start over and, you know, hide in bed for a week or something. But then I started <laughs> looking more into you and stuff, and it looks like you do cozy mysteries, which is different than your hard-boiled variety. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've read a good chunk of, um, of one of them, the Mubusu, is that how you... Musu B. Murder. Musu B. That Murder. Was, that was probably not a good title because that's a regional Hawaiian snack and, mm. yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and that's something I want to get into a little bit, too, is the Hawaiian stuff in there because you live in Hawaii. Um, I do, yeah. And that book has a lot of real local flavor to it. You know, and, and as I was reading it, it was kind of cool because I felt like it was unique in that way. But on the other hand, I've never been to Hawaii, so oh, <laughs> so it was. Good. I'm like, I don't know what these things are. Some of them, but it was. It was just oh, funny, you know? yeah, that's. So I learned some stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> and that's always the line you have to walk, because uh, when I read books that are set somewhere that's different, or, or especially when I read books that are set in Hawaii, and they sort of over-explain. And that really slows the story down. Um, I like that. Ideally, is you have something, but it's in context, right? So you kind of understand. Like, for example, when the main character's best friend is mad at her and says, "Well, that's that's why I did it this way, baboos." And maybe you have never heard the word baboos, but you can infer from context that it's not really a compliment. <laughs> right. <you> know, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So that like that's sort of what I'm aiming for. But that, I think sometimes there's a danger of just being too obscure and using right. words that people don't know and can't figure out from context. So yeah. but that's what so, I try to do. Yeah. So far, there have been a, 
maybe a couple that I was like, hmm, I don't know what that is. But most of them I got you get it from context, like you said, and some of it's oh. dialect too. You write you write really well in dialect um, with a lot. Oh, of characters. thank you. And so that you get like I don't really I don't really know the Hawaiian dialect, but it's obvious that's what you're doing, you know. And you get this kind of pattern, I guess, to it um, that works out really well, and that helps with the context as well. I think. Well, I have to um, I have to thank my husband because he is I did not grow up in Hawaii, but he did, and he is my um, dialect and cultural consultant. So I'll show him something, you know, I'll show him what he writes and he goes over it and I'll say, is this, uh, is this real? Would somebody say this? Is this how somebody would talk? And so I, and and I've seen books where it's obvious the author did not have somebody like that. And it really just clangs on your ear that like, Oh no, that's not right. Right. So yeah, if you're going to do it, you have to do it right. Otherwise people will. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Like, so oh, I'm very man. lucky to have him to, to check that <laughs> over for me. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And mine, I, I, I've been struggling um, in terms of location. Mine's just kind of this nondescript city. You know, it's kind of based on Detroit where I grew up, but uh, and where I, near where I, I still live. But I haven't named it. Is, is it like Detroit, but with made up street names? Is yeah. that basically yeah <laughs> more or less <laughs> well that's that's exactly what mine is too it's mm. based on a real city but i don't want you know it's like you get one detail wrong and then like you provoke the nerd rage and it's oh. like well that street doesn't again right. right right those two streets and don't so, intersect <laughs> right, yeah exactly yeah. and it's like well that building isn't a three-story building the building <laughs> zoning regulations blah blah you know and it's like okay it's a made-up town right. and your right. criticism is right. valid <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, in fact, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about the tropes of the, of the detective, the, the hard-boiled detective, and mine doesn't. He doesn't carry a gun, but I was like, well, I have to have a gun in there somewhere because it's, you know, one of the tropes of the genre. So right. Like, yeah. Ugh. But for, since it's from the point of view of the character who doesn't carry a gun, he can just say it was a little silver thing. <laughs> he doesn't know his gun, <laughs> so he doesn't know. It's okay because <laughs> that's another way you get in trouble is with guns, right? Oh my gosh! Yes. Oh, jeez. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, for the uninitiated, can you uh, give us kind of the a quick, I don't know, summary of of your series? Sure. Well, in fact, my main character is not an adjunct, no, and not. so right. breathe easy, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason is, so she graduated with her PhD in lit. So my uh, main character is Molly Barta. She's a mainland girl, and. She graduated from a very exclusive top 10 literature and creative writing program. You know, one of these programs that admits maybe two students a year. And, you know, so she graduates full of high hopes and she goes out on the job market and crickets. Right. (laughs) And so she's like looking for that, you know, wonderful full time job at a leafy exclusive campus where she'll be teaching small seminars of bright upperclassmen and this is not materializing, right? Mm-hmm. So she kind of you know expands her horizons and expands her horizons. And finally, after a year of fruitless job hunting, she gets a nibble from a business school out of the, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, in the middle of, the, of nowhere, but it's a full-time job with benefits. And she's like, I'll take it. <laughs> so she takes her fancy literature and creative writing degree and flies over and to teach business communication. And her advisor, of course, is just devastated because he is like, well, you're wasting your fine critical mind teaching a room full of slack-jawed baseball caps how to pad their resumes. And she's like, listen, my fine critical mind thinks it's time to earn a living wage, you know. So so her advisor is not speaking to her now. And so she's been sort of humbled by the job hunting experience. And so she's determined to bloom where she's planted. So she's like, okay, she's had this brush with unemployment. And she just wants to keep her head down and stay out of trouble. So naturally, she gets drawn into murder and mayhem. Right, naturally. That's, yeah. I think a lot of my audience will be very familiar with the premise. Slog <laughs> <laughs> of the PhD, going on the job market with these high hopes, and crickets, like you say. So I right. think a lot of people will understand the, uh, the thing. So now she's, uh, well, at least in the, in the first book, the book I'm reading, she's uh, an untenured professor. Uh, right. which means that all of the crappy jobs get put on her, right? The dean's exactly, always asking her to yes. do the 
Yeah, yeah, and you have a great. You start. It starts with a uh, um, like a luncheon sort of thing, right? It, it, even in the first chapter, you get so many of the stereotypes right. <laughs> you know, you've got the two <laughs> two professors who are always at each other's throats. You've got the dean who, you know, completely ignores the untenured professor until he needs something, right? You, right. Yeah. You know, until he dumps yeah. some task on her. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of that's uh, a lot of that's in there. So it's it's good, and it's a whole series. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's that's nice. When when I'm done with this one, I'll definitely uh, buy the next one because it's fun. It's fun to read. It's 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 good stuff, and it's a it's a page turner, you know, as a mystery should be. You know, every chapter you're like, ooh, what's going to happen here? Oh, thank you. <laughs> right? Yeah. But but you see, it, as you've read it, it is not at all hard to read. Right, right, right. No, it's it's quite the opposite of what I'm going for. So, which is a really, you know, I'm sure tomorrow I'll find someone who is doing the hard boiled thing. That's <laughs> the greatest fear, right, of an academic, of a writer, of I guess of any creative person, right? It's your greatest fear that you're gonna be almost finished with something and then somebody else will have scooped done, you, scooped you, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it's never, it's never really the case. It's always different. You know, there's always a different angle. I think, right, when that happens. Well, yeah, and what's interesting is, so, like, you and I are like, oh, we want to be unique, and it would be terrible if somebody were doing something like this. But then there's this whole school of thought about writing to market, and I don't know if you've right. been following that at all, right, where you find the book, and then you just, like, almost clone it. Like, you just make sure to hit all the tropes, mm-hmm. right? It's like, right. it's a space opera. It has to have an aging male captain in a shabby, rundown ship with a right. ragtag crew, and they have to save the universe and you know right so exactly, so some people exactly. just deliberately will do that will will say i don't want my book to be too right. unique so you know yeah yeah exactly so it's not even i mean you're not going to there are no unique ideas anymore right i mean really, yeah. <laughs> more yeah. or less and, and that happens and you know maybe people who who read your stuff want something more hard boiled or people who read my stuff will want something that's a little more you know kind of less uh was violent or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. It was dark and grim and, you know, but, uh, but we're both doing satire though. Right. So, right. And right. And there can never be too much satire, especially in higher ed. Especially. Yes. Of academia. Exactly. Right. Right. So exactly. and there's, there's actually, to me, there's not enough campus murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. I, they're, they're, they're such an underrepresented genre compared to like, you know, um, international thrillers or knitting or restaurant mysteries, you know, there's so many of, and I like all those too, but Mm -hmm. there need to be more academic mysteries, I think, just because I want to read them. Right, right, exactly, exactly. (laughs) It's like, you want to read it, so you start writing them, but now you want more, and yeah. Exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. (laughs) I'm with you, so I'm trying to, trying to help out. (laughs) So, Thank you. So, so I have to ask you then: Are you mm-hmm. do you use real people, or are your characters modeled after real people? Um, some are, some are not. Yeah, uh, one in particular definitely is. Uh, a lot of them are, um, you know, kind of composites. Is that the word? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of them are composites, or, or even types in a way. Yeah, because I'm going for the hard boiled thing, so you're gonna you have the types. Right, but yeah, some of the right. some of them are definitely uh, modeled after people I, I know or have known. Yeah, yeah. How about yours? Yours must be too. Yeah, same. There's yeah. there is one. Okay, so I'll have to say that the dean is is actually modeled very closely, both physically and attitudinally, after somebody who is not with our university anymore, but was and was just every bit as awful as I am portraying. <laughs> So, but but for the most part, um, people are composites. Or yeah. I, I get I get some characters like I'll read Inside Higher Ed or Chronicle mm-hmm. of Higher Education, and I'll read a story about you know like a news story about you know a dean who's taking money to change grades or you know something, like some ridiculous right, over the top right. thing, and then I'll, oh that would be a good character, so I'll put him in the book you know in a right. book. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to do it too, because I've been pretty. I'm pretty lucky. Most of my chairs, I don't, uh, I don't know, Dean so much with chairs in my departments have been pretty cool. <laughs> you know, they've been, well, that's good. They've been, yeah. they've been okay, you know, at least to me, you know. Uh, so I don't have a lot of that, but I've seen things, you know, you, you, I've seen weird things and, and, and people being jerks and you, you hear about the politics sometimes that you're not part of. So that gets in there. Right. And then you've, yeah. got, the, you've got the professor who's kind of just always in his office and he doesn't never, never seems to teach. Right. But he's always got these, <laughs> 
really erudite <laughs> kind of articles he's working on, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Talk to you forever about it. You know, I've got some, I got him. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got the and I've got a lot of adjuncts, you know, the ones who are overworked, going from from college to college to college. Um, you know, ones who just teach online and are trying to stack up as many online classes as possible. You know, things like that. Right, right. And then do you have do you have like the age the like decades old blood feuds that just you know like I don't know faculty members that because I've actually seen that where there have been these little departments where like oh these two haven't spoken in twenty years you know. Right. Yeah, I don't have that. I do have though. My main character has kind of a nemesis who used to be a mentor. Oh, so there's that, right? Oh, so, that's and good. She, and that's she comes good. back around and you know causes trouble, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. So, so there's okay. that, you know. Um, but a lot of it's just playing with uh, like literary theory or throwing uh, different novels in there, and, and you know the he'll be teaching class and all of a sudden get an idea for how to solve the case or you get the next clue or whatever, you know, things. Like oh, that. I love that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so your cool. is your adjunct a film studies professor or is he a, like a literature professor? Uh, right now he's a literature professor. Yeah. He's okay. doing lit and composition. Oh, okay. See that that's good because it sets the stage for a lot of really miserable classroom experiences, right? Because teaching exactly, composition is exactly why. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly why. So he does comp and he does lit, and then I think uh, I, I'll probably write another one. I'll probably make it a series, and if I do, it'll be um, he, he might make a foray into film. You know, oh, okay, nice. Right? Yeah, because yeah. you know how English departments are. They sometimes they'll have all of that stuff. Like my English department at Wayne State had, um, you know, we had film and comp and lit and speech. No, we didn't have speech. Uh, linguistics, linguistics, and you know, that was all in the English department. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's conceivable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so you so you have you know your your uh, your character Molly gets into these kind of crazy situations, right? Kind of stumbles into them almost, right? Right, exactly. Like an ill-considered you know piece of helpful advice to the police, and then and she's off. You know, now she's sucked into the middle of it. You know? Right. So, so. Did you, how did you decide to uh, how did you decide to write this? What were you what were you doing? You were teaching a class one day, or were you? I mean, what what made you decide to? All right, so so here's what happened, and this sounds really terrible, and I hope I don't sound well. I'll probably will come off badly, but here goes. So I I like classic murder mysteries, and I you know read Agatha Christie years ago, and I just you know so I was reading a more contemporary cozy mystery, and I was on the elliptical, you know, and it's like you're reading the mystery to keep myself going, and and I'm reading the book, and I'm I found that I was sort of critiquing it as I went. And there was one part where, so first of all, it's like, okay, so much descriptions about the cat. I really don't need pages and pages about the cat. That's, <laughs> that's too much. Right. And then there was one part where somebody said something that was supposed to be funny. And then the author described and everybody laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And I was like, you know, it, it's funny or it's not let it stand or fall on its own. Don't, put the laugh track in there, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I realized like, I'm sitting here picking this book apart, write your own book if you don't like it. Right. And then I was like, you know what? I think I will write my own book. So I just, that very moment I stepped off the treadmill and I went down to my computer and I started, that's, that's how it started. Just like that. Basically with, I could do this, I could do better, you know, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm not outselling that person or even coming close to that person's sales. So obviously I can't do better (laughs) by that measure, but uh, you know, I, I entertain myself and some close friends and that's, you know, I'm happy with that. That is entirely why I'm doing it too. Is that right? (laughs) Just because I was writing, I've been writing a memoir that I've been stuck on for years now, a memoir about grad school, and it's like it's pretty heavy. And I was like, I'm going to do something oh. lighthearted and quick. So I wrote this, and I'm just laughing. I'm writing and laughing. I'm like, You're writing. That's wonderful. It's the best, you know? So I'm like, that's if the I, best, yeah. If I enjoy it, that's all that matters. I know a few other people enjoy it. I'll put it up for sale and see what happens, you know? Oh, Same that's thing, great. You know? It's taking longer than I thought it would. It was not as quick as I thought, but it's, it's entertaining. But, yeah, same thing, right? You, you're just writing it kind of, you know kind of for yourself in a way and then you uh, yeah you and, so, and you self-published on amazon right or i don't know if you're on yeah well I'm, I'm hybrid so my first hybrid. book was okay. through um 
Five Star, which is a subsidiary of, you might recognize, Cengage, mm -hmm. who publishes textbooks. Yep. And so I thought, oh, great, a huge company. Nothing can possibly go wrong. I'm set. They'll, you know, maybe they'll publish the next one. And between my first and second book, they made the business decision not to publish any more mysteries. Oh, my. So, <laughs> it, yeah. So it was like, oh, broke okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, wow. So I still have that one. So the Musubi murder is, is from Five Star. And there's they still publish that, but they're just not taking on any more mysteries. They're focusing on Westerns. Okay. So, you know. So I that I had a great experience with them. That that was nice. But then, but because of them, I then contacted their formatter and their cover artist uh -huh. to have me to do my next one, which is the case of the defunct adjunct, which is actually a prequel. Mm -hmm. So th they kind of gave me a boost and showed me some things that I don't think I would have figured out so well on my own. Oh, that's good. That's very good. Uh, that's yeah, so. That's that's good news. So that, that's why that's why you have the consistent uh, kind of covers throughout the series, is because you were able right. to get hold of them. That's that's really great. So the first one was traditionally published. They decided to stop doing that. <laughs> doing yeah. Mysteries. So. And um and so you just decided to to do it yourself. Yeah, I set up my own little imprint, and mm -hmm. by setting up my own little imprint, it's basically I got a name, Hawaiian Heritage Press. I registered it as a business. And I bought some ISBNs from Bowker. And so it's Hawaiian. It's, so it's like my little micro press. It's Hawaiian Heritage Press that's as the great. publisher. That is, that's great. And so uh, you, I'm sure people in Hawaii love it because they love the local references and everything, right? But it's, it's certainly getting well, much wider appeal than that. Right. Well, what's what's not? It's funny, because people who are in Hawaii seem to like and appreciate the local culture, and thankfully, I seem to have gotten it right. I mean, I'm very, very careful about that. But then, every so often, I'll get a weird review. Like, so the main character is supposed to be like she's brought her mainland stuff with her, right? She's brought her mainland wardrobe, and she's brought her mainland everything, and so she wears like her name brand um, stockings, and that's one of the things she struggles with. You take your shoes off when you go in someone's house. What am I supposed to do with my stockings, right? Okay. And so, like, this is little things that she deals with. And there was one reviewer who was really kind of cheesed off at the fact. It was like, well, nobody would wear stockings in Hawaii. <laughs> it's like, you know, come on, really? <laughs> That's, I mean, I don't know. So you, you try to get, you try to get the details right, and people will still find things to pick apart. But oh yeah, yeah, there will always be something. Right. Right. Yeah. They're, they're always. Yeah. What, what are you gonna do? <laughs> you know, it's like you nitpicks. know. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and so you you teach there in Hawaii. I do. And what do you teach? So I uh, I teach business, mm -hmm. but my mm. background is actually really different from my heroine. I um my I actually got my PhD in business, and that this was my plan all along. So, but that's not funny, right? It's like, <laughs> so, right. so I'm not going to write that. Yeah, that's no fun. It was my plan all along yeah. to move to Hawaii and, be, and teach business stuff, right? You know? Right. Um, well, Hawaii was a little bit of a surprise. Okay. That, that I had not planned on. But okay. the job opened up and I came out and interviewed and it was a great fit. And that was mm, 18 years ago. So, wow. That's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So it's, oh, but yeah, that's, there's no plot there. No, right. right. I, you know, it's like, oh, I have a nice, boring, happy life. Da, da, da. Yeah. Cool. Who wants to read about that? Right, right. So. Yeah, of course. You need something. Uh you know, something something to hook people, right? But it's, but I'm sure a lot of the a lot of the um you know, a lot of the political stuff, a lot of the, the, the department goings on are, are from from your own experience and, and Oh yeah. Well sure. the, the thing that and you've probably noticed this in the book. It's not so the Molly, the protagonist, she doesn't really have a personal nemesis. She has a an institutional nemesis, right. which is the student retention office. Right. And they are sort of they're like at some point somebody says they're like the public defender's office. They always have to side with the students no matter what, you know, right. so like that. There's that analogy, right? Uh, and so they're always coming in like, oh, you need to, you know, be, be easier on the students and you shouldn't be failing anybody. And if the student fails, it really means that the teacher has failed. And right. And right. it's so, of course, she just bristles because 
the one thing she has is that she can like do a good job. You know, she doesn't have prestige. She's not working in her field, but at least darn it, she can, you know, do her best job teaching. And now the student retention office is trying to take even that away from her. Uh, so, <laughs> right. you know, so I don't, I mean, I don't know if you have experience with that sort of the pressure to keep the customers happy. And is that more and more, you know, yeah. where, where I am, it's, it's, um, it's not like that so much, but I've seen it in other places that I've taught before. I've seen uh, at some community colleges and some other places. I've seen this kind of, you know, if the if the student goes to complain to somebody, you better fix the grade, sort of thing. Right, right, right. And I have to say, words, yeah, personally, but, I don't get. So I, nobody who's listening to this should think, oh, I, you know, that's not something that personally happens to me. I have um, autonomy, which is great, but it's again from news stories and other people's mm-hmm. experiences and, you know. Yeah. yeah, where I am, it's 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 pretty nice. It's, uh, you know, there's a good, I mean, obviously we have a lot of respect for our students and we, you know, want to make sure that they're taken care of and, you know, they learn what they're supposed to learn. And if there are any real grievances that they're taken care of, but there's not that right. sense of, like, their customers and their right, uh, like you see yeah. in some places or you read about sometimes. But, um you know, you see it creeping in here and there, not at my place, but but at other places, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a big deal. You know, I read an article just yeah. this morning about um, uh, literature. People not aren't doing humanities majors anymore, and some of it is because of parental pressure. You know, the parents are not letting, oh. and, so, and a lot of it has to do with you know the the uh, belief that you won't get a job with an English major or history major and, and things like that. And uh, it was in uh, the Atlantic, I think. Yeah, just yeah, just this morning I read that, and a lot of it was was parental pressure. And oh, yeah. people talk, they talked a little bit about the whole customers always right sort of you know college is job training sort of sort of paradigm that we're seeing more and more. Uh, so there's some of that, but I like how the uh, office of student retention so it is is always kind of yeah. working in the background <laughs> Every right there's like a, oh but i have to fill out my report oh but i have to <laughs> right? there's all this weird bureaucratic paperwork that goes on and you know if they plagiarize they have to be able to do it over with no penalty and all that so right yeah exactly so, oh my gosh yeah uh so even if I don't have personal experience with that, I, I get it, right? Because you can see you can see pieces of that here and there, and you always hear horror stories from people. Right. Well, and and what I did is I sort of extrapolated where, okay, so we're all having budget cuts, right? Everybody's got not enough resources. So in my universe, they have managed to get a grant from the foundation. Mm-hmm. The foundation is unnamed. You could probably fill in the blanks which foundation it might be. But the foundation has given them a grant to increase student retention and completion. And that's the only entity now that has resources and money. So <laughs> they their power just grows and grows and grows. And, you know, and the foundation, of course, has this very ham-fisted approach to, oh, we want completion and retention. And, you know, and so it's by any means necessary. And so that that's kind of how that's come to be. That's awesome. So they have all the money, all the power, right? In right. The, in the right. university. So I like how you're, it's called the College of um, Commerce. Commerce, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I love it. Um, it. It works just on a tonal level as well, right? Right. The tone. Oh, of, thank you. you know. Well, and it's sort of retro, which is once you get out of Waikiki and you go to more rural Hawaii, it is retro. Okay. And in fact, one of my um, colleagues was talking about the town of Hilo, and which is on the east side of the Big Island. And he said, when it's 9 a.m. in L.A., it's 1952 in Hilo. You know, that, I thought that was such a great uh, line. Because <laughs> yeah, okay. there's, you know, in some ways it is, you know, things are more stable. And, you know, I had an accountant who he just retired and I don't think he ever got a computer. You know, he, was, he was like, his office was full of files. It's sort of like that. Wow. People just kind of hang on to the old ways a lot of the time. So it's, so, so college of commerce is sort of an old fashioned kind of name, but mm-hmm. that's the name it has. Right. Yeah. yeah. I never really realized that about the, the different islands, how there might be different cultures. Yeah, definitely. On, on each Island. Uh, because I mean, any, 
you know, when we think of Hawaii, we think of the big island, as you call it, right? No one ever thinks of it. Actually, probably not the big island. The big island is not the main island. Oh, well, I stand corrected. Right? I mean, well, I mean, I I did not know that either when I was growing up on the main. So, yeah, or in Mm -hmm. California. So, yeah, so the big island is actually um, very rural. The largest town is 40,000 people. The whole Mm -hmm. island has a population of 160,000, 180,000, something like that. And it is the size of Delaware, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. It's so where Honolulu is is on Oahu, which is a different island and a smaller and much more densely populated island. Oh, see. So there's Oahu. like 1.1 million people in the state, and Oahu has like 0.9 million. I see. So I see. and uh, the we so we just have very few people, relatively speaking, yeah, very yeah. rural and remote compared to where where uh, Oahu is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I see. I didn't even know that. I was uh, I, and yeah and, well and you shouldn't feel bad at all because I, I didn't know that before I moved here and most people most people don't know Hawaii or a lot of people don't know Hawaii is a series of islands I think mm-hmm. it's an island in the South Pacific and it is neither an island nor is it in the South Pacific it's north of the equator so yeah, yeah so there you go so there you go before we officially started we, we talked about the the, you, the the fact that you use a pen name. That's a pen name. Yes, okay. I have a I'm, I have a very thin veil between my yeah. real identity and my pen name, uh-huh. mostly because when people um, search for me, I I don't want the first thing that comes up to be that I kill people for fun. Right. So, right. I you know I, so I keep my sort of academic and my author identity separate under different names. Yeah. A th- thin veil. I think that's pretty smart. I always struggle with that myself because I. Um I was going to publish my fiction under my initials, uh, EW. Oh, yeah. And then I had I had a whole different pen name set up, like a completely different uh, pen name set up. And then I thought, that just seemed like too much work. So I scrapped <laughs> it, and then now the plan is just to publish it under my name. And then, and if if people don't like it, then too bad, <laughs> sort of thing. Because I'm too lazy to try to, to um, maintain two profiles or more than one you know, like profile on social media or more than one name. So I don't know, for better or worse, I think I'm going to stick with, with my, my name name for my fiction. Well, the other thing is your name name is, is a good name. So Eric Marshall or E.W. Marshall, those are good pen names. Yeah. My real name, which I won't say, is difficult to pronounce from beginning to end and invariably <laughs> right. misspelled by everybody. So that's another reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, um, I I like my name. Not to talk about me, this whole thing, because the E and the K on the on the other end of my first name, and then the M and the two L's on the other side of my last name are like little bookmarks. Like they both go up oh, with all these yeah. little letters in the middle. So, and it's just you know that's the name right. my parents gave me. So I, I like it. But I was doing a search once re- recently on Goodreads, and there's another Eric Marshall, same spelling, oh. writing some kind of. Um, thrillers or crime fiction or something i'm not sure exactly what it was but i figured i would just uh try to outpublish him and <laughs> bury him and then they'll solve that problem you're doing him a big favor right that's like, right exactly yeah. yeah yeah right right get some accidental <laughs> sales you know over there you find that difficult uh to kind of keep up with it is it easier is it has it been for, for me it's easy i just have well actually i have two pen names the other one is for writing uh children's books Uh, and having two pen names is a hassle mm -hmm. and the children's books are actually spin-off of the molly uh professor molly mysteries the children's books are about um two characters named alice mongoose and alistair rat and the conceit is that they are from the early part of the 20th century and they're sort of beatrix potter like and they're these two animals that would be natural enemies, but they are actually best friends. Oh. And so the idea of the book came up in as I was writing one of the Professor Molly mysteries. And then I was sharing this with my father, who's an artist. And he said, I would love to illustrate those books. I was like, oh. yay, let's write those books. So now there are four books. Um, the If you Google Alice Mongoose and Alistair Rat, you'll find Alice Mongoose and Alistair Rat. And so... The pen name is Mary Pfaff, and there's this whole, I have this whole baloneous biography of her where she, 
you know, grew up in Brockton, Minnesota, and she moved to Hawaii and she married uh, William Apana, who was a local businessman and they had a kid and she wrote these stories for a child and he, you know, on and on and on. (laughs) And the books were popular, but then they fell out of favor, but now they're enjoying a resurgence. And so I've got all this, all this stuff, there's a website and everything. But, um, did you say, so that's, I'm sorry. Did you say Balonius earlier? Balonius, yes. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's a <laughs> wonderful word. I've never heard that used as an adjective before. Balonius yeah, biography. I love it. Yes. And so, so, that's so great. Oh my but gosh. My my point is that having two pen names is now difficult. Yeah. Having one pen name where you can set up your Amazon author page and all that under one pen name, that's fine. Um, two pen names and that starts to get clunky. Okay. But yeah, I could I could imagine. Uh, yeah, how that might be a, a bit of a challenge, but I can yeah. also see why, especially for children's literature, why you would have a pen name. I think that's right. It one of the keeps reasons. it its own. Yeah, that's one of the reasons people do pen names. I think is either children's literature or the other stuff that people write, and they don't want people to know that they write it. Right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Right. The erotica adult authors where they don't even have their author picture; they'll just have like a line drawing. Yeah, exactly. 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 Um, well, that's interesting. That, that sounds really cool. I'll put that in the show notes too uh, at the thewetpodcast.com. People can find the. Uh, I'll put links to the Alice Mongoose stuff and your. Uh, oh, thank series. you. Yeah, for sure on the on the show notes, so people can just click over to all that stuff. So yeah, it sounds cool. I might check that out. Thank you. I, well, and I, I have know. to say, if you want to get rich, don't write children's books. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have the temperament for children's books, to be honest with you. It, yeah, and it's not as easy as you might think to write a little short story that, yeah. Oh, I don't think it's easy. It looks hard. It yeah. looks very difficult yeah. to me. And it's a, I'm sure it's a very saturated market. I oh, yeah, yeah. to imagine, yeah. But I'm yeah. I'm glad we did. I love my dad's pictures. And so that's, I just have to say, you know, and the, and the e-books are free. You can download the ebooks oh, cool. for free, so you have to pay for the print books. But um, if you just want to read the stories and see the pictures, you can get the ebooks. Oh, cool! Yeah, I'll, I'll check those out for sure. That sounds that sounds great. So you have the two pen names: one for the Professor Miley, one for the Children's Lit, and then you have your your real name and your real life uh, teaching teaching business, right? Right. So yeah. so as I, I mentioned earlier, one reason for a pen name: if I had sort of a cool, snappy. Like if my real name were Ace Parnell, for example, <laughs> <Ace> <laughs> then I would Parnell. probably keep it as my author name. Wow. But my real name is multisyllabic and <laughs> just invariably misspelled. And so, right. you know, a quick, short, easy name was um, was good for me. That's that sounds good. You know, my uh, my dissertation advisor. Um, hit me up once on Facebook. I was talking about making a pen name uh, about a year ago, maybe longer. And he, I think he might've been drinking, but he, um, <laughs> he, he told me I should uh, use the name Rick, R-I-K, you know, with no C, because he thought that would be pretty cool. And so, oh, like, Air, okay. Yeah, he's like, that'd be a pretty cool, uh, like a DJ name almost, you know, kind of sort of thing. Rick you Marshall, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was he was really selling it hard. He's like, Rick, I always thought that'd be a cool name. You should try that. I'm like, well, All it's right. sort of your name, right? You're it's just sort of my name. Taking yeah. the first letter off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that would be cool. Off of it, so. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, but it was uh, it was it was funny. He had like a strong opinion about it, though. He really oh. it was, <laughs> like he really thought it was a, you know, a good idea. So that was that was a fun conversation. So <laughs> he's a he's a actually really funny guy. So uh, so how far along is your first book then? Is it um, first draft or? Yeah, so I've got it. It's all drafted uh, for the most part. I just went through. I just did a second revision, so it's in the third draft. And I in the second revision, I changed a bunch of stuff because I didn't. I outlined it, but I didn't really know how it was going to end. And then I figured out how it was going to end. Then I had to put a bunch of stuff in the middle to get it there. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yes. And in true kind of uh, pulp fiction film noir style, I don't know if you've ever read uh, things like The Big Sleep. Uh, and, uh, I've, I've, I don't know if I've read The Big Sleep, but I've read some Chandler. and Yeah. Yeah. So like I, Chandler, where sometimes you... you it just doesn't make any sense. There are things that just don't make sense, especially in the movies too. Yeah, 
like what? suddenly the guy hauls off and punches somebody and you're like, yeah, why did you do that? Like, yeah. Why, where'd the body go? Or how did this happen? Why did the, yeah. you know? <laughs> so in, in true kind of trying to stay true to that, I, I don't mind if things don't make sense from time to time, you know, it doesn't, everything doesn't have to be as linear as, as sometimes they are, but I had to add things at least to lead kind of to where, where I wanted to go. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, uh, and then, this next revision I'm doing right now, I'm trying to, I'm punching up the jokes, you know, more, oh, satire, yeah, okay. more jokes, more, you, you know, things like that. So I'm at the stage now where I have one reader. Um, I, it's not even a beta reader. I call him an alpha reader. Uh, the one, the one person who reads things, uh, before they're ready, like way before they're ready. And then I'm going to have him take a look at it. And I have a couple other beta readers lined up and I should be able to, I wanted to publish it in August, but that just didn't happen. So, uh, I'm thinking, uh, hopefully, maybe in September, but it's pretty. It's gonna be pretty close. It's short. It's a very short novel too. The idea oh, was yeah. to write it really short, really fast, get it out, and that didn't happen. Uh, the fast part didn't happen, but um, oh, but uh, which is fine. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I am right now. I just want to make sure it's not uh, completely embarrassing, and you know, it's got enough <laughs> to it, you know, to make people. Now, do you have a cover yet? Yeah, I do have a cover. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. I haven't revealed the cover yet, but I do have a cover for it. So that's okay. It's cool to see your cover when you when you get the cover made. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I, I did a pre-made, but it looks great. It's got my name. It's got the thing. It's, I really like it a lot. So I'm, uh, I haven't revealed it yet, but um, it it kind of motivates me a little bit to have the cover. Oh yeah, kind of give it's it's like a visualization of like yep. this is what it's gonna look like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty exciting actually. So. Um, and do you have a title or? Yeah, it's, called, it's called Death Death of the Author. Oh okay okay. From the Roland Barthes. Oh that's book. good. I don't know if yeah. you know. Yeah. So there's a whole theory of the death of death of the author. So it's a whole play on that, you know. Uh, and if I do do a series, I'll I'll continue to do that. I'll probably pick like, popular titles there or or plays on words you know that are from popular like literary theory and stuff like that uh, so is this so, like so do you have any author function jokes in there or is it <laughs> 290s yeah yeah no it's it, it's close it's, it's stuff like that right this idea of like i, I there's jokes about postmodernism, um simulacra you know things like that there's there's some of that kind of stuff um uh you know reader response sorts of things yeah there's some of that in there you know? oh so, good good yeah, yeah well i'm yeah. looking forward to it <laughs> it'll be fun it'll be fun so i'm hoping to get that out pretty soon uh so yeah i'm glad i'm glad i i just happened to it was you know how life works. You know, I'm just scrolling through Facebook, and there, here comes your book cover, right? And I'm just yeah. so glad I found you, and I'm so glad I thought to ask you onto the podcast because, you know, after my initial, oh, no, you know, it's like, oh, actually, this, I thought you'd be perfect, and you are. You know, you've been a, a good oh, guest for the so podcast much. to give some uh, perspective into, into, you know, how someone could go about doing creative work while doing academic work. Right, uh, you know, there's not not necessarily a conflict there. Yeah, you know, there's you, not. In fact, I have to tell you something that's yeah. weird because I mm-hmm. thought, well, this is just going to be my blow off steam, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll go home and I'll sit in front of my computer and I'll go, okay, who needs to die? And you know, if I've had a bad day. Nice. But what I've found is that now, quite against my will and my plans, I've I've been learning so much about the book business that I now have extra business lessons that I can take back into the classroom. So if you sort of, despite my best efforts to keep them separate, you know, I, I now have stuff I can use in class, which is, which is kind of good, I guess. That is good. Yeah. You have firsthand, do you, do you tell your students that it's firsthand knowledge of. I don't. No, you don't. Right. I will just say, Oh, these interesting things that have happened in the publishing industry, you know, Right, stuff that you're paying attention to because you're publishing, right, that you might right. not have paid attention to otherwise, and you're presenting that in class as part of your lessons, okay? But yeah, exactly, because I don't want them to feel like I'm leaning on them to buy my books or read right. my books or anything. Right. So I just, I mean, if, if they, one or two of them have found the books and, okay. you know, one person even very kindly bought the hardcover and then brought it to me to sign so that was very nice but i don't want to make them feel pressured like you should buy my books so right yeah i know that makes sense yeah i won't even even though i'm using my name i won't even mention it to students you know if they find it they find it that's great but i won't mention it because for the same reason you don't want them to feel like oh right it'll be interesting to see how many of them figure it out on their own though 
Yeah, it will be interesting. Uh, that happens with the uh, with my other podcast, with my film podcast. Uh, I don't generally talk about it too much in class. I don't know if I ever mentioned it in class, but students have found my podcast, uh, the the film podcast. Oh. The, they might have found this one, but they, they probably think it's boring. Uh, oh, what's your what's your other podcast? It's a film podcast. It's about uh, it's called it's called That's a Wrap, and it's me and two other guys with PhDs. My PhD is in film studies. Uh, so oh, okay. We, yeah, it's uh, two other guys also with PhDs in film studies, and we talk about film. It's not as stuffy as it sounds, though. It's, we have a lot of fun. And it's, you know, it, um, it's yeah, it's it, we have a lot of fun with it and stuff. Now, does that? So, I, I would always imagine that it would like you would never be able to enjoy a regular junkie film anymore because you know too much. You know, I always tell my students that uh, by the end of the semester, hopefully their taste in film will change. The way they look at film will change. And I say that'll be a good thing and a bad thing. You know, you're going to like it because you're going to understand more. You're going to be a more sophisticated viewer. And it's a bad thing because your tastes are going to change. And you're not going to settle for some of the junk you watch now. You're going to be critical of the things you're watching now. And then you're going to bug your friends about it because you're going to want to talk about film all the time. (laughs) And every semester I have a couple that are like, yeah, you totally ruined it for me. Thanks. And you say, good. (laughs) Yeah, good. That was my goal. My work here is finished. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So so I have have had students come to me, hey, man, listen to your podcast. I'm like, all right, cool. (laughs) Don't ever know what to say to that. Because unlike this, like we swear a lot on that one. And like one of my students wrote a review on iTunes and said, uh, yeah, well, he wrote a review on iTunes and said, it's just like class, but with swearing. Which I think was a compliment. That's a great review. But, yeah, it was a good review. I was really happy to see it. So, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take that. It was a five star, so it must have been good. Right? Oh, well, there, there you go. That, that means he yeah. likes your class. Right, or the podcast. Or, or she. Or, or I don't both. know who, I don't know who he, wrote it. Yeah. But. No, it was a he, but hmm. He likes the class or the podcast. Maybe he wants me to swear more in class, but I, I, don't, think I, should, I don't think I should do that. I don't think that's a good. I don't think that's a good strategy. I'm actually curious about sort of podcasting as an author. What kind of led you to do that? Because it's something I've thought about, and then it seems a, like a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of work. <laughs> In a way, I. Um, it's it's funny because this. Uh, podcast started with you know i was thinking about like what are the things i'm interested in you know like writing i'm interested in education of course and tech's one of my things and the acronym came to me wet first yeah and then i was like oh that sounds good and i i created it that day the very day i started inviting people to be on the podcast and so it was kind of a it was i had been thinking about doing this for a while and then it just it was all of a sudden i was i was doing it um but yeah, it's it's a lot of work. It's, you know, most of the work comes from finding and inviting people, um, but also just you know doing the recording and the editing. And some people edit a lot less than I do. Um, uh-huh. I am editing less and less as I go. You know, as I continue on this because it's very time consuming. But mostly, once you get used to it, it's pretty easy. Once you get all the tech down, it's it's not that bad. And so far, it's been pretty good. I got to talk to some really interesting people. And as far as the, as an author, you know, I know there are a lot of author podcasts out there. Um, some focus on craft, some po- focus on the publishing right. aspect, you know. Um, it, I mean, there are too many to count in a way. Some are just genre related, you know, they're related to their genre. Like you might do a cozy mystery podcast or something. Right. right. You know, that sort of thing, um, which actually probably pretty pretty interesting um i don't know if i'm I'm sure there are cozy mystery podcasts i don't know i don't really i have never seen one well there you go so maybe there's a (laughs) there's room for it yeah 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 maybe great well is there uh, the way i always end these by asking if there's something that you wanted me to ask you that i didn't or something you wanted to talk about that i didn't bring up well, here's here's something that I would like everybody to think about because I've noticed it, and I think you're gonna you've already alluded to it. How much book reviews are like student evaluations? Hmm. And I have I, I'm on in different online communities, and I see professors consoling each other about student evaluations in the exact same way that I see <laughs> authors consoling each other about one star reviews, and so. I think maybe something that I'd like to share with everybody is for all of those things, really take them with a grain of salt 
and don't let the one-star reviews ruin your day. I think that's my sort of happy thought for, for the day for everybody. And one-star reviews thought. in whatever form they happen to come to you. So. <laughs> that, is a, that is a happy thought. Yeah. Because most of the time, the one-stars are an anomaly. They're not, you don't have a bunch of one-star book reviews. You don't have a bunch of bad student evaluations. I hope. Right. I don't. I'm sure you don't. Right. So, no, uh, no. But the ones I have... They're were, the ones you focus yeah. on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You could have... You know, in a class, you could have, you know, I have a class of 40, 39 great review, uh, evaluations. And that one bad one, you're like, oh, man. Right, and that ruins your day, right? It's <laughs> yeah, like, what did I do? Day. How could I reach that person? Why, you know? Right, yeah. exactly. Book reviews are the same. Yeah, I can see that for sure. It's like, why didn't you like my book? You one person <laughs> out of a thousand or whatever it might be. Yeah. Exactly. Well reviewed. You have very high reviews on your books. Uh, so that's you know so you're, if you you better not focus on the one stars because you you have yeah and and the I one guess. stars are actually not not always bad because they tell you like one of my favorite one star reviews was like this has too many big words <laughs> something <laughs> like that so it's like well okay that yeah. that kind of lets readers know what the experience is yeah, right so you know that's okay that's a good warning yeah it's the two yeah. and three stars you know the <laughs> There's nothing worse. There was, there was nothing more damning than faint praise, right? Oh, right. It's yeah. like, oh, this was okay. Yeah, I have some of those too. Yeah. So, you know, what are you going to do? This was okay. It's like, oh, I don't want to hear that. I'd rather really, really <laughs> hate it, right? So, <laughs> I'll, well, I'll keep that in mind as I publish too, as I. Uh, as I go through, I've, I've I've been on the internet long enough to know that eventually somebody will say something bad about anything. You know, yeah, I a, yes. I had a time lapse um, video of a candle burning once, just for fun. I don't know, I was just fooling around, and I put it on YouTube, and someone's I think that's what it was. It was something like that, and someone said, "This is the stupidest ass I've ever seen." <laughs> And I didn't advertise it. I was just up there just to show my friends. And I'm like, why are you even watching this video? And why did you find it necessary to type that in? (laughs) Yeah, like to make the effort to (laughs) To be angry about this video. Yeah, I know. know. Uh, And I laugh at that. I pull it up sometimes and laugh at it just to say, I don't know. People are, can't please everybody. Sometimes you can't please anybody. Yeah, that's, that's some good, happy advice. I like that a lot. I appreciate that. Good. So, well, thanks for being with us. Um, well, thank you can, for having me on. Yeah, and where can people find you online? FrankieBow.com. That's F-R-A-N-K-I-E-B-O-W.com. Dot com. That's where you'll, you'll find the Professor Molly series, and uh, you have a blog there as well. Yeah. Right, right yeah. So I, I blog about other, other murder mysteries mostly, but then occasionally some things about education or, mm-hmm. you know, the workplace or things like that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I think people should check it out. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. At, Thank you uh, so much. TheWetPodcast.com. So, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on to The Wet Podcast. Thank you. It was nice to talk to you. <laughs>